What is up, Exchange fam? It's Tuesday night. This is the place to be. I am so excited to be here. I'm here every Tuesday, but not here every Tuesday. It has actually been a hot minute since I've been up here, so I am super excited. As Hal said already, he already shared like half the message in the announcements, but I'm just going to recap that we are in the third week of our series, Interrupted. It's been awesome. It's probably been one of my favorite series that we've done. Um, if you were here for the first week, Matt actually challenged us with the prayer, God, make me bold. And he said sometimes that we have to step out of where we've been and the things holding us back in order to fully step into the things that God has for us or where he's calling us. And then in week two, last week, Hal challenged us with, God, search my heart. God, search my heart. Um, speak to me. In the beginning of this series, as he said, we also started 21 days of prayer and fasting. Raise your hand if you have been trying to stick with this 21 days. And maybe you just started it this last week. That's fine. If you haven't, jump on with us um, this week. This will be the last week. But hey, you can do a fast for seven days. That's awesome too. But we decided that we wanted to take the 21 days and just be really intentional about the things that God was laying on our hearts. We told you to pick three things that you wanted to really focus on and each day be like, all right, God, I am desperate and I am expecting a move from you in these areas. So the prayer that we're going to look at today, the prayer that I'm going to invite you, if you have the courage to pray, I'm going to encourage you to pray it every single day this week. And this might be the most dangerous prayer that you could pray. And I want to warn you that some of you, you're just not going to like this prayer. And some of you, you're probably just going to refuse to pray this prayer altogether because it's not a common prayer. It's not an easy prayer. It's not a safe prayer. It doesn't match the normal, safe, everyday prayers that we kind of just get stuck praying sometimes, right? Like the same things kind of day in and day out. This prayer is not consistent with the God should make your life easy version of Americanized, popularized Christianity. And I like the easy prayers. It's okay. It's okay to pray them. I like the safe prayers. It is okay to pray them. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we pray the prayers, God, make me and my family safe. I want to be safe, right? We all want to be safe. God, bless me. I want to be blessed, obviously, right? God, just help me have a nice and easy day where I can check all of my plans off the list. Any list people in here? Yeah, today I need to have also all the green lights on the way to work. And I need to have all of the closest parking spots no matter where I go. I want to have a nice and easy day because the truth is, honestly, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to be interrupted. God, you know, if you just really love me, give me a hassle-free day with good food, with calories that don't count, with people who are rude, and when I open the door for them, they say, yeah, you guys know what I mean. And may my boss, you know, notice me in front of everyone, just how much I am killing it, right? May I have a good hair day. When I go into that store, can those shoes be 75% off? You know the ones that you've been eyeing. And may I get only the hot ones to swipe right? And can I get maybe like just over 100 likes on that picture that I posted, please? Like these are the safe kind of easy prayers that we pray, right? But this prayer is not 
a safe prayer. If you pray this prayer, you might become more frustrated. You might get uncomfortable. Life might be harder and chances are really good that your life is not going to get any easier. I want to invite you in joining with me in praying a dangerous prayer because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. The prayer that we're going to pray this week is, God, break my heart. God, break my heart. Crush it. Strip me of all the ease in the spiritual apathy. But I want to warn you, if you pray this prayer, God will answer it. And you might find yourself burdened, even grieved. And your heart might be aching over something that burdens the very heart of God. And if you pray this prayer, you might lose sleep. Very likely that you will lose sleep. And your heart might start to burn with a righteous anger. You might find yourself doing things that other people don't really understand. You might find yourself criticized, persecuted. And in all of your pain and discomfort and agony, you can still find joy because you know that you are going to be blessed because you are pursuing something that also grieves the heart of God. It's a dangerous prayer. Break my heart. Break my heart, oh God. And today I want to start us off looking in the Old Testament at the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he had a pretty unfortunate nickname. His nickname was the Weeping Prophet. Doesn't sound very exciting, right? Like nobody wants to be like the weeping friend or the weeping teacher, or I definitely don't want to be known as the weeping pastor. I mean, I definitely am known as that girl that is always cold all the time. No matter where you go, I'm going to be complaining and whining and crying about that. And some people have also called me a woo girl. Do we have any other woo girls in the house? <laughs> but Jeremiah became known as the weeping prophet because his heart was always at war. His heart was breaking over the plight of his community, and God's heart broke for them as well. To give you just a little bit of context of what was going on at the time of the prophet Jeremiah, the people of Judah were just rebelling against God, like just bold-faced, rampant rebellion. The leaders were abusing the widows and the single moms. They were taking advantage and exploiting those living in poverty, and they would sacrifice and traffic children, babies, all to a false god. And this grieved the heart of God. God's heart was wrecked over the sinfulness of this community. And Jeremiah's heart was aching on behalf of God. He said, this isn't right. How could this happen? How can a nation that claims to be founded upon God-fearing principles treat people like this? exploiting those who are powerless and vulnerable and marginalized and hopeless. His heart was breaking, and you can see it in Jeremiah 8, when he says, my grief is beyond healing. There is no repair. It is so great. My heart is broken, crushed, he says. My heart is broken on behalf of the injustices of those who are abusing those who do not have the power to defend themselves. Beyond healing his grief. Have you ever felt a pain so deep inside your heart that you said, as long as I know that these people are experiencing this, 
or that these people are going through this or that this is happening or that this group of people believes this about themselves, I'm not going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. I am not okay with it. So Jeremiah, he did what he knew how to do. He prayed, he fasted, he stood strong, he threatened. He did everything he knew how to do and things didn't immediately change. My grief is unbearable. Question, do you want that? Do you want that? Because like seriously, when I wake up in the morning, I want the exact opposite of that. I just want to go throughout the day without any real big problems and I don't want anybody to flip me off or cut me off and I don't want anybody definitely to pay with a check in front of me at the line of the grocery store. <laughs> if you've done that, there's a space for you here. We love you. I've actually done it myself before. But when I text someone, I also want them to respond like, okay, and with an emoji, because if you just type back K, like you're probably a psychotic sociopath, okay? That's not okay. Don't do that. But important stuff like that, right? <laughs> I don't want any problems. God, break our hearts. And when I'm talking about something that breaks your heart, I'm not talking about like that good cause that you give to every once in a while when you think about it. Or maybe that thing that just kind of spiritually annoys you a little bit and that when you think about it, you know, maybe you do something about because then at the end of the day, you feel better about yourself, right? Like maybe every time you go down that street, you see that same homeless person there every day. So you like scrounge up change to give to them or you're like, oh, you know what? I do have that one water bottle that's been like rolling around unopened in the backseat of my car for a whole week and I can give that to him. Or maybe you're like, oh my gosh, like seven years ago, my family and I, we were driving along and we saw this cute little puppy on the side of the road. So we had to take him in because I just hate to see animals suffer. That's great. That's not what I'm talking about. I love you. I love your dog. I'm glad you like your dog. That's awesome. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a gut wrenching burden that consumes your thoughts. It doesn't just let up and it doesn't just go away. It eats at you and it gnaws at you until you just cannot not do anything about it. You have to do something because the pain just burns so deep inside you. And honestly, when you get to this place, the feeling that you have, caring about the things that God cares about, it's gonna be completely opposite of everything that popular culture programs you to want. It's the very opposite of the feel-good version of Christianity that says God exists for you. God exists to make your life better, easier, more comfortable. God exists because this is the year of abundance. This is the year of increase. And if you can see it, you can believe it. If you can name it, you can claim it. I want you blessed. I want you blessed coming in and I want you blessed coming out. Like I'm not even that great at doing that, but you guys know what I'm talking about. But what if, what if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? What if? What if the very most special blessings from God come on the other side of the pain that moves you out of self to care for the people that God cares about? What if? If God really broke your heart, 
for the things that broke his? What if God gave you a holy and righteous anger, a discomfort, a heavenly burden? I don't know about you, but I like comfort too. I do. I like luxury. I like staying in really nice hotels. Some of you weirdos like camping. I don't understand camping. Like it's either really hot or it's really cold. There's no in between for me. And if you're a light sleeper like I am, or you have to have a noisemaker because you're just going to hear everything, right? And it's like a creature that's going to kill you in the middle of the night. And then when you do happen to wake up in the morning, if you get any sleep, all of your stuff is damp. Like, no, thank you. I prefer a cabin, okay? I want a toilet and I want a bed because I just cannot with an air mattress either. But I like comfort. A lot, actually. But the problem is that comfort never once moved me to action. Comfort never once moved me to action. I never became just so comfortable that I thought, hey, let's go out and let's change the world, right? I feel like comfort just seems to beget more comfort, right? I want room service. And then at the end of the day, I want the towel with the animal and all that stuff. If you've ever been on a cruise, you understand where I'm coming from. But we like luxury. We do. But more luxury in life never shook me to care about those who were suffering. I don't like pain. It may surprise some of you, but I actually do have a very low physical pain tolerance. I am a habitual toast ever. I don't know if any of, you know, that's the fastest way to see me lose my Jesus for sure. And I do it multiple times a week, okay? I don't know what is wrong with my feet, but I'll do it on a wall or the dresser or the grocery cart. And Winn-Dixie grocery carts for some reason are the worst. I don't understand it. I don't know why I told all of you guys that either, but I (laughs) like pain-free days. I do. But the pain-free days never made me more like Christ. What does pain do? Pain purifies. Suffering strengthens us. Trials actually do make us more like Jesus because they make us depend more on him. God, break my heart. It is a dangerous prayer because it snaps us out of the self-centered, persistent pursuit of comfort that we always like to go to. And you can see in scripture, those whose hearts were broken, Moses, he would watch again and again as the Egyptians would subjugate and terrorize and oppress his people until one day he just snapped. He kind of just like Hulk smashed. And he said, I can't handle it anymore. And then one day God brought him before the most powerful ruler in all of the world. And he said, what? Let my people go. David, a little shepherd boy, no one cared much about him, thought he would amount to anything. But one day his dad says, hey, like, go up to the real men on the front lines and bring them some crackers and cheese, some snacks. This day we would call that charcuterie. But he went up there, right? He's like going to the front lines, like, okay, be bopping. And he gets up there and the, the whole nation is at unrest in war. But now we're at a standstill all because of one man. One man who was really big. And he's like, what is going on? And he sees this one large human, like, putting all these insults and mocking God, mocking the people of God, and something inside David broke. And he said, this is enough. He said, all these people are scared of you because they say that you are so big, but you know what? I think that you're too big to miss. So give me some sling and some stones. And then there's Nehemiah. He had a very comfortable life. Some of you would say he was living his best life now. 
And he had a kind of high-risk job where he was supposed to drink the wine before the king. You guys have probably heard Hal speak about this several times before. And it was a good day if the wine wasn't poison. Okay? So he led pretty much a really good life of comfort all until one day. One day when God broke his heart, when he got news that back home, some of his extended family members, their city, their community, the walls had fallen down. This is the people who had started to lose their identity. They were living in survival mode, always looking over their shoulders. They had forgotten who they were. They had started to believe that their lives did not truly matter. So Nehemiah, no construction experience, was not a builder. He somehow miraculously goes and designs this brilliant wall around the city. Who knows that God will equip the called? And he builds this and he says, take heart. Hope is here. I am here to remind you of who you are and whose you are. Fight for your families. Fight for your your husbands and your wives, your sons, your daughters. Fight. And another New Testament theologian, some of you might know him, Tony Stark, says there comes a time when it's no longer enough to say that you are against something, but you have to be for something better. See, some of you, you're going to hurt. You're going to get to that point. Maybe you've been to that point before, but you so quickly retreated back to comfort. And some of you, you might be here, right here with me tonight saying, Chrissy, I'm with you. I can't stand it. Enough is enough. Somebody's got to do something about it. I've been wondering why nobody around me is doing anything about it and why nobody sees what I can see. So when you pray this, and I dare you to, God, break my heart. He will, and he will shake you out of your continual pursuit of comfort, and he will stir within you a divine burden that you simply cannot deny any longer. And that's what God did in my heart. God started to break my heart for those incarcerated. One day I was reading out of the book of Isaiah, And in chapter 61, God began to break my heart for an unseen and forgotten community in our own backyard. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to the prisoner, to proclaim the favor of the Lord. God began to break my heart for men and women who, for the most part, society just kind of labels them as trash, waste, worthless. People that we would just rather quickly look past because if we were ever to truly look them in the eye, God might actually show us how much we have in common. God began to break my heart. God crushed me with the burden of aspiring hope, of awakening purpose, and seeing the restoration of families of those incarcerated. There is a fire in my bones to reach those incarcerated and for them to understand that freedom first comes on the inside before there is ever 
freedom on the outside, to inspire the hope that there is no wasted season, that there will be no wasted time, and that this big heap of mess that you see on the floor, God wants to use it because God is in the business of making all things new. And just like we sing it, he makes graves and turns them into gardens. He takes bones and he makes them into armies. He is the great multiplier. And he can take and do more in just one moment than we can ever destroy in our own in a lifetime. He began to give me a desperation for those incarcerated to be awakened to their purpose, for them to understand that God still chooses them, that God still wants to use their story and still can use it, and that their story holds the power for eternal impact. God grieved my spirit for those incarcerated and the restoration of their families because I knew that most of them were there because of generational cycles of poverty and oppression, generational cycles of abuse and childhood trauma. God burdened my heart to speak truth over the lies that the enemy had sold them that you are just a screw up. And that your parents were a screw up. And you can rest assured that your kids are gonna be a screw up too. And the more I started to learn the realities of those incarcerated, <laughs> the angrier I became. To learn the interrelatedness of race and poverty and mass incarceration and foster care and trafficking, I couldn't sleep seeing their hopeless faces in my dreams, knowing that just one, just one was counting themselves short, saying, I am too far gone. When all the while, there is someone who knows them by name and chose them and still chooses them and says, no, I love you. You are worthy of love. So four years ago this month, Grace started its first prison ministry, Hope Rising, and a team of women went into Hernando Women's Correctional, and we reminded God's daughters of who they were. What if God's greatest blessings were on the other side of our greatest breakings? Some of you may say, gosh, that's so awesome. Yeah, I'm totally feeling you. Like, I want to do that. I'm going to go start a website. I'm going to start a Facebook page and an Instagram, and I'm going to be an influencer, and then hashtag blessed, right? But I'm here to tell you that it was a journey, and it still is a journey. In the beginning, it was months and months of this aching and this searching and this fighting uphill battle after uphill battle and coming against people that didn't understand, even people who were in the church who I thought, oh, well, they're definitely going to understand it. But then seeing God, why don't they see? Why am I the only one that seems to see that this makes sense? And he said, because I made you see. I called you. From the beginning, I had a clear vision, but I, what I was seeing in front of me, it didn't mirror that. I had a vision to turn prison chapels into campuses of Grace Family Church and that we would bring the worship and the message and the service of the weekend into the prison. And when our team first began serving, we were told, one, um, you're never going to have a service like that. Um, two, you will never be able to have more than one slot a month. And then three, you will never be able to have a Sunday slot because those are just taken and the people that have been here forever, um, they don't leave. So... Just let you know, welcome, we love you, but this is how it goes around here. But we know that what God says he will do, he will do. And that a lot of times it's also about his timing. So after a few months, not only were we able to start having the service that God had given us the vision for, but God had also arranged it to where we actually had 
two Sundays a month because another group had pulled out. And then after that, a couple months later, they came and they say, hey, you know what? We actually have this first Friday opening up. Do you guys want that? And we're like, heck yes. <laughs> so we were in there three times a month when originally they would say maybe one. And we wanted to do something different on that Friday night, not the normal service, so we called it Girls' Night In. <laughs> but that would be a time of singing together, testimonies, playing games, just laughing together as moms, daughters, and sisters, and aunties. God, break my heart. I say all that to say just to remind you that the first few years were filled with great expectations, but also great disappointments, wins and losses. We would hear about women being released only to find out that they were sucked back into the environments that got them there in the first place. And some of them even ended up coming back to prison. And while we know that we were able to reach many women and form relationships with many women, we also always knew that there were tens and thousands of other women who were suffocating in their prison cells in our tri-county area under the weight of utter hopelessness. The ache was always there. God, break our hearts. And listen to me. When you pray this prayer, get ready to ache. And I don't know how God's going to break your heart. Maybe it's for the unborn. Maybe it's for women who have had to make that hard decision before in their lives. Maybe it's for single moms. Maybe for some of you guys in here, it's for the fatherless boys that are growing up in your neighborhood or on your street. I don't know how God's going to break your heart. Maybe it's for the orphaned or the enslaved or the abused. Maybe it's for those drowning and powerless to their addictions, to pornography and drinking and prescription pills. Maybe it's for the homeless. Maybe it's for the elderly that doesn't have any family or friends. Or maybe it's for the fight of social injustice that is so thick in our culture these days and the racial disparities. I don't know how God's going to break your heart. But when you pray this prayer, God will break it. And when it does, I want you to thank God that it is breaking. I want you to thank God in heaven that on behalf of him, that he is breaking your heart for the things that break yours. You know why? Because it's easier not to care, right? It's easier to just look away. It's better not to get involved. As I was preparing this message and remembering the last four years, I just was overcome with emotions of gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for this weight. You are so, so good. Never in bef before in my life have I ever heard from God so clearly, seen God's power and presence and sovereignty and faithfulness so clearly as when I was chasing down hell and doing the hard, crushing things. That's how it works because all of you has to depend on all of him. And I hope you understand that it is better to hurt with a purpose than it ever is to exist without one. It is better to hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. Thank him when he breaks your heart. Paul in Philippians 3. So he's just kind of like, or with a bunch of his buddies and friends, and he's like, you know what? I am pretty great. <laughs> like, according to the world standards and success, like, I have many religious accolades, many educational accolades. Like, I am just pretty great. But Paul started to realize that, you know what? I know a lot about God. 
but I don't know if I truly know the heart of God. So as he began to truly know and seek the heart of God, God began to break his heart for what broke his. He says, once, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. All because of what Christ has done, everything else is worthless. When compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Garbage. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one day I can experience the resurrection of the dead. How many of you know that you can know someone? You can know a lot about someone without ever truly knowing them, right? You can also know a lot about God. You can know a lot about this Christian life and how to do this Christian thing based on how you grew up or how you didn't grow up. And you can come in here and you can punch your church time card on Sundays or on Tuesday nights. And you can do all of the religious things and check off all the boxes without truly ever knowing and experiencing the heart of God. Because knowing someone really takes vulnerability and risk and sacrifice. And it hurts. When you desire to truly know the heart of God, you start to care about what he cares about. His grace then compels us to move beyond our selfish wants and desires or even the plans that we had dreamed up for our life and say, you know what? I cast all of it aside. It's all garbage. I wouldn't go back and do it any other way. All for the one. The one that he has put on my heart and called for me to reach. You might hurt a lot of times and you might hurt alone at times. God may call you to sacrifice a little or everything. Some people look at my life and they're like, oh, Christy, like you have a pretty great life. And I do. Like I have a job that I love that I would probably do even if I don't, didn't get paid. I've actually done that before. <laughs> and I have a really awesome husband who is an amazing leader of our family and we make out a lot. And I have a beautiful son who is my greatest gift in this world. And I have really great friends that God's blessed me with, to run this race with, who get it, but the crushing is always there. The desperation is always there. God, break my heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And when he does, tell him that you're thankful. Thankful for the pain because every day you are now driven by a higher calling and moved out of selfish living and safe Christianity. He will wreck you, but I promise, again, it is so much better to live a life of hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. It's a dangerous prayer. But again, following Jesus was never meant to be safe. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this holy moment. God, this moment with all of these lives represented in here, all these stories that are represented in here, and God, you know the people that you're currently calling. You know the people that you've called before. And God, I pray in this moment that you would just wreck them. Wreck them in the best way, God, because what you have for us on the other side of that surrender, it's worth it. It's worth it. And I pray that you give them the strength to persevere 
And even when people say things like, I don't understand, or what you're doing is, is lame or stupid, when they don't get it, I pray that you would just send them people in their path that would say, you know what? I'm here to support you. I'm here to encourage you. And God, I even pray for those people to be able to carry things out with. I thank you so much for what you're doing. God, in the hearts of these young adults, God, I pray that we go out there and that we bust a whole huge hole in the middle of Tampa when it comes to the gates of hell. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.